So in the year, New Year's 2020, we just completed our Center for Independent Living in North Central Florida, just completed our strategic planning process. And it was a long process, a great process, and it led to us creating mission statements, vision statements, strategic goals and values. It was wonderful, learned so much. And one of the takeaways that I had from it is understanding that a mission statement, a vision for an organization is so critical to its success. And I thought to myself, well, if it's so important to an organization's success, why wouldn't we have our own personal mission statements for ourselves to give us direction in our lives to succeed in whatever manner or fashion that seems to be? And so in 2020, I did create my own personal mission statement, which I am going to share with you on this dojo. And I got to say, this is, is personal and it's something I have a hesitancy in uh, sharing, actually. Um, you know, I haven't really shared it with anyone outside my wife. And, you know, I've been drawn to sharing it for a variety of reasons. But um, one of them, you know, being that if it can be helpful to anyone out there, it, it's certainly worth it. I really, you know, have been saying this mission statement that I came up with for myself, which I'll share here shortly, but I want to first you know, describe why I came up with it and why I think it's important to have our own personal mission statements. But I say it a few times a day, early in the morning, every time, and then intermittently uh, throughout the day. You know, I think a prerequisite to this episode, by the way, is the dojos where we had the three big questions. There were three separate dojos. One was, who am I? One was, why are we here? And the other one was, why am I here? And I think those are uh, a bit of a prerequisite into identifying one's mission or vision statement. The, the episodes on New Year's and preparation, I think, is a good one, too, to, to listen to in terms of this. Because, you know, I'm reaffirming this mission statement this year. It's one of the resolutions I'm, I'm taking on. I do see this, you know, we're entering into a challenging year. And I want to be there for others as people go through the challenges that are you know, currently going on and, and likely to continue throughout the year. And I, I believe my mission statement will go a long way into being able to do that. You know, one of the things that is important, I think, in the, in, in the pointing this out is the why. The why is, you know, is a huge place that I think it's always important to start from. And for me, a mission statement really forced me into finding meaning and purpose in my life and really calling it out in a very short and succinct uh, way. Your mission statements are usually good if they're brief and to the point. You know, the purpose of a mission statement uh, is to really give you know, direction, to be a compass, so to speak, for you know, how we're going to conduct ourselves throughout each day, each hour of the day, each minute of the day can really help to give some clarity into each of the different moments that we'll come across. And what I really like too about having a mission statement, like going into the year, now zooming out into the year and what's ahead. Year 2020, when I came up with this mission statement, I'd had no idea COVID was ahead. But the mission statement certainly helped me navigate through the COVID experience and the other things that were to come out of that. And so even though the mission statement wasn't very like super specific and how to do A and B and C and D and so forth and so on, it really helped to ground me 
and to give me some anchoring through circumstances that were, were not so clear. And for me, a mission statement's super malleable to the different types of experiences we don't even know are ahead of us or situations that might, we might be in that can really guide us through them. For me, it's, it's, you know, this, the why, understanding who we are and having a mission statement, I think really identifies the why, leads to the how. How are we going to conduct ourselves in, in any kind of situations, those that are planned and foreseen and those that are not. So with all of that being said, to set it up, so it is my mission to cultivate inner peace, embrace unconditional love for all, and to be of service to others. I'll repeat it again. It is my mission to cultivate inner peace, to embrace unconditional love for all, and to be of service to others. In this episode, I'll break down the peace part. In the next couple episodes, I'll talk about the unconditional love and the service to others. But I intentionally start out with inner peace because I find for myself that I will not be able to get to the unconditional love and the service with others if I'm not able to have the peace within myself. I love the idea of being a peacemaker in the world, and I fully believe that in order to be a maker of peace in the world, one has to have peace within themselves, grow that peace out to their families, to their friends, those that are close to them, continue to grow that outward from there and into the world, and so I, I find this to be a bit about myself, but in the way that I'm putting my own oxygen mask on so that I can help others as the year goes on. And for me, what peace is not is not some place or situation. So, for example, it is not me on the beach, totally relaxing and having no worries. It certainly can be that, but I'm not going to wait for that to be where I find peace. I'm seeking to find peace in my everyday life among raising kids, among going to work, among the challenges of the daily life. And, and for me, peace is you know, not something that we will find outside of ourselves, but it, it has to come within for me. I love the quote again. I've said this on the podcast before that, you know, peace is not the absence of conflict, but rather it's our ability to resolve conflict in peaceful manner. And Eckhart Tolle, uh, author of The Power Now, I think has a great uh, metaphor for peace. He describes peace as, you know, a boat on top of a lake, which would be us, and having an anchor deep below the lake, you know, deep, deep to the bottom where everything is still. And no matter how the surface of the lake is, it could be very wavy and rough. There is an anchor very, very deep, deep in the waters that is very still and calm. And so to cultivate peace and the velocity of life and the chaos that can ensue in the everyday you know, living, I am seeking inner peace as that goes on. That is my goal is to create inner peace uh, during situations that can be rather difficult. So that's, that's one part of this inner peace mission of mine to be able to, to do that. And one thing that I thought to be very powerful is that a very wise person who didn't have a lot of money or material means or anything else like that was asked once, given that this person had a, a lot of talent, why don't you get a job, you know, making a bunch of money and this, that, and the other. This person was someone of service and helping other people and chose that kind of life over a life where they could have probably had more material wealth. And this person said, you know what, 
I have what many rich and wealthy people do not have, and that is inner peace. And for me, that quote just shows this. Someone who's very wise sees that uh, inner peace is something that is very priceless. So these are some of the reasons why I really start with inner peace in my mission statement. And I break inner peace down to several different components. I break it down into self-awareness, into clarity, into non-reactivity, non-resistance, non-attachment, non-judgment, patience, forgiveness, and gratitude. Awareness is my first component of inner peace because for me, observing my mind, my thoughts, my emotions is a peaceful place to come from. Not getting lost in the trance or the spell or the river of thinking and being somebody that just identifies myself as thought. For me, I get so much more peace when I separate myself from my thoughts separate myself from my emotions and really reside and abide in the place of being the observer of being on that shoreline as the river of thoughts happen because for me i find that my mind tends to to hunt for problems and issues and and all these other kind of things and when i can disassociate from that and be aware i can then separate myself from a lot of the stress and anxiety that would ensue if i was not observing those thoughts and those feelings it's a really for me a way out of getting trapped into those is being the observer. And for me, it unfolds into three kind of different areas is where I can observe that I'm doing that and consciously make a choice of shifting my thoughts to something else. I can just choose to think a different thought than I am. So I can wrangle back in that mind that's just hunting for something to land on, to stress out about and place it somewhere else. And, And I can only do that if I have awareness about it. So that's one way that I try to reel this mind, the hunter hunting for issues and problems back in is to just redirect it and refocus it on things that I want to. Um, The other one is to observe it doing its own dance, you know, running around, doing all these other kind of things, but not necessarily uh, giving space for it to do that, but, uh, you know, observing it as it does that and become interested in it and let it run through the, the, the cycle of doing that until the finally it just dissipates and goes away. And then there, I find that breaking through that and with self-awareness is huge for letting go of a lot of things. And sometimes I find when I just shift the channel and go to another thought, which is good, sometimes I'm, I, I could be bottling up my thoughts or my feelings or my emotions. If I can just let it do its dance, run its course, not necessarily go along with it, but just watch it turning from one channel to the next, and eventually it just stops. And there's a very peaceful place that I have. And I can become interested in it as, as it's doing it. And notice that from having thoughts of anxiety, I can think to myself, you know, my heart rate's going up a little bit. I'm starting, my body temperature's increasing. But you know what? This is what it feels like when I do things that are fun too. Is it interesting how my physiology, when I have thoughts of anxiety, my physiology when I'm doing something fun, like swimming, biking, running, surfing, or anything else like that, it's really, it feels like, it feels like the same thing. I'm just calling it anxiety versus calling it something else. And so there's a way out with awareness for me and being aware of my thoughts and all these other kind of things. And the next one is, is clarity. You know, this really ties into a mission statement and everything that I talked about before. Just having a sense of who I am, a purpose, the meaning of life. It's really great, helps to give direction and that's great. But at the same time, I think also clarity in not knowing 
say, what is the meaning of life? There was such a, a, a long time there where I had a lot of anxiety over trying to figure out the meaning of life, hadn't really cracked the code on what is the meaning of life and et cetera. And then I gained clarity thinking, you know what? Who am I to think that I'm going to figure out what this is all about? For a long time, people have been trying to answer that question and haven't come up to it. Maybe I could be at peace with my non-peace regarding this. And, and I have, because I don't think I figured it out. I'm continuing to figure it out. It is a process of trying to understand myself and understand the world and my place in it. And yeah, I haven't got there and arrived fully where, where I'm at, but I, I have the clarity to know that, you know what, it's okay to not know. You know, and I see this in a lot of uh, young adults, uh, especially in millennials who are in their 20s are really working towards locking up that career, making the money that they want to make, having the job title that they want to have, having all the materialism, the, the spouse. A lot of them, I think, are anticipating having it all locked up in the 20s. And when they don't, a lot of anxieties. And you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know, have some clarity that the 20s are kind of for experimenting and, and finding yourself and being at peace with not having it all uh, right away and having the clarity to know that it's really not that kind of a, a time for it. So I think for me, even clarity of not knowing and being okay with not knowing and having that clarity as uh, oxymoronic as that might sound is something I think is really important. Non-reactivity would be the next one. And, and these next four are kind of like what I would consider to be the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse of non-peace. And so non-reactivity for me is where I have a sudden shift in my thinking and my emotions and my state change. And this can happen, say, for instance, where I don't drive, but if I'm in a car with somebody driving or if I'm on my bike, a car jumps out of nowhere, almost hits me, where maybe somebody says something super offensive to me or someone that I care about. Um, maybe some really bad news comes across the wire, somebody doing su something super offensive. Those things can cause me, if I'm not conscious already, if I'm you know not aware, I can all of a sudden be in this state change that is very fast and rapid and reactive. And for me, I've started training myself to become immediately conscious and aware that uh, a shift has happened. Pause, realize this, take a breath, and do what Viktor Frankl you know, has recommends, is try to give as much space between stimulus and response as possible. The longer we can give between that space right there, and grow that space out, the better we'll respond and we won't react. And it won't be like the knee-jerk reaction that happens. So I, I believe that for me, whenever I become reactive, it's, it's largely because I'm not aware of my thoughts and I'm lost in the stream of unconscious thinking and, and something abruptly happens and I get that sudden state change and I, I have trained myself to become immediately aware. Uh, most of the times I can do that and it's a fuel for my awareness and that's a really good thing and, and it's very positive. And it helps me to shift into, you know, one state to another state and to be able to do it with uh, a bit of clarity. And there's so many things out there to get us reactive. Like everything nowadays, especially anything with a screen, I think is meant to, to get some kind of reaction out of us. And so I think this is a very big, important one to be always on guard for. Non-resistance would be another component of peace that I really seek to do better in. And for me, you know, having a disability garners a lot of resistance. I can get, I'm subject to feel like, man, I, you know, this isn't fair, this isn't right, you know, resisting the fact that I have a permanent disability. 
and you know perhaps oh man I, I got to get a cure and there's no cure and oh that's so frustrating and it's something I really as far as I know and, and likely in my lifetime won't ever change and the more it upsets me that I have a disability and, and can't move on beyond that point. And many of our guests on our podcast will talk about, you know, how they work through this resistance and resisting what is. Resistance for me is, is you know, not being at peace with just the state of the world, the state of the universe, our lives, things that have happened in the past to us that we can't go back and change. I can find myself in a state of resistance when I think about a wrong someone has done to me. I could be resisting when, man, this whole COVID pandemic, you know, there's a lot of us that are in a state of resistance and want to get past this pandemic, want to be beyond it, want to get back to quote unquote normal and are resisting the fact that we're in it and it's causing us suffering and, and fatigue and anxiety. And the fact is, is we're in it. And the more that we resist that this is the reality of our surroundings, the more that it's going to cause non-peace. It's going to cause a lot of suffering. You know, I can see the environment's not doing super good. You know, I'm somebody that loves nature. You know, I can do my part, but at the same time, I'm only a small little piece of it. Politics can cause a lot of resistance. You know, that's certainly a place where I think a lot of people get it. The culture wars that are out there and people voicing their their perspectives and, and very kind of toxic ways can cause resistance. There's so many things out there that can cause it, but you know what? All of that right there that I mentioned is out of my control. And, and one of the threads that I really tried to pull here in this dojo and, and some of the episodes is really looking at our chief task in life is dividing those things up that are up to us and not up to us. That's not me. That's Epictetus. But when I can do that, I can get more clarity and be at peace with the things that I can't control and work on controlling the things that I can. So Non-resistance, non-judgment would be the next thing. Oh man, how good are we at judging others? You know, I'm worried about the law, you know, speck in someone else's eye when I got a log in mine, right? And so, you know, what causes for me, you know, a lot of times when I see, you know, myself being judgmental or judgmental others, it's uh, usually out of social comparison, comparing ourselves to others, up or down. We could be judgmental of others that we think we're better than and feel a little bit of pride or an egoic kind of a sense. We could judge ourselves against others and feel envious or jealous if we don't think, you know, they got this, that, and the other. They have a relationship. They have a job. They have a, an ability. You know, I got a disability, can't see too well. And man, if there's all these people here that can see great, you know, and get envious or jealous or this, that, and the other. And that's coming really from a place of judgment. And while I do believe it's important to discern between right and wrong, oftentimes I'm finding that myself and others tend to, you know, be judging out of values and, and subjective kind of points of view. And, and where does judgment lead me? Where does it lead other people? Well, it leads to the complaining, the blaming, the need to be right. These things that are not peaceful, not peaceful at all. So doing that for me is, you know, and being judgmental, I really try to eliminate from my life because I can see where a lot of non-peace comes from it. Non-attachment. Ooh, this is a really hard one for me. So non-attachment's the next one in terms of uh, all the different parts that go into me seeking to have inner peace. So this really comes to us from like Eastern philosophy and Buddhism, the idea that everything in life is impermanent. So if I get a, a, a brand new bike, if I get anything that's you know, a computer or, or something that's really nice and, and like and excited about, one day that thing's going to break down. You know, one thing is going to rust away. And that attachment to it is going to cause us suffering. It happens in relationships. So all relationships will end at some point through death. 
or at the very least, you know, if not, you know, distance or, or some other means, yeah, relationships do end. And, and the more attached we are in those relationships, the more suffering it's going to cause um, when they do end. And, and so I haven't cracked the code on this one by any means, because I don't know how to be detached and really love somebody and be connected in, in a relationship with them where I care deeply about them and what happens to them and be disattached at the same time. But supposedly, uh, you know, there's a lot of philosophers out there that say that this is a path because the reality is, is you know, everything's uh, finite. And, and to make sure that we understand that and make the most of our experiences with whatever it is, um, whether it's relationships or whether it's with the material world or, you know, whether it's with our own health, you know, and attached to our own health. Uh, again, this is going to, over time or in situations, you know, it's going to cause disability. And I think that's one of the things, too, that caused me pain with regards to my disability is when I was able to drive, my visual acuity got deteriorated to the point where I could not drive. Yeah, I was so attached to having that freedom and, and being able to do those kind of things. And when it was taken away from me, it was a very difficult time in my life to really kind of reconcile that and come to terms with it. A lot of resistance there uh, as well. So that, you know, attachment is definitely something that I think is very uh, difficult for a lot of us. And, and, you know, we do live in a society where we're encouraged to want more and to have more and to hold on to more. This could be a tall order, you know, but I find that it, there is some real truth into, you know, when we attach ourselves to things and, and possessions and people and, and outcomes and situations, it could be something that ultimately one day, uh, when, when separated from that thing or that person or that situation uh, or that experience or that state of health, it's going to cause us uh, some suffering. So the more that we can be engaged with it or I can be engaged with it, really appreciate it for what it is, but also know that this too shall pass. All right, so those, those were the four horsemen. Now now I'm getting into the, the back components of inner peace for me and uh, patience. Patience, as mentioned before. Paciencia in uh, Brazilian Portuguese is the science of peace. So for me, uh, where I can have a lot of non-peace is being stuck here, but wanting to be there. What I mean by that is waiting. A lot of us are waiting for life to happen. And it can be, you know, small scale waiting or large scale waiting. So uh, I'm in traffic. I can't wait to get through this traffic. I'm in a line at the store. I can't wait to get through the line at the store. I'm doing a day of work, which I love my work, by the way. But there could be times where I can't wait to get home to see the kids. I can't wait to work, you know, to be over. I can't wait for these things that are kind of small scale. So stuck here, want to be there, causes me a lot of non-peace. And it can be larger scale. So you know, this year, COVID permitting, I, I look forward to traveling, going on a vacation and having the patience for it to come and, and not thinking like, oh, man, I wish I was already on my vacation when I'm stuck here and wanting to be there. That's a huge thing to, to get out of that kind of state of thinking. But then, you know, I, I really meditate on, you know, how much of it that's really meaningful in life requires patience, you know, whether it's uh, developing a really close friendship, you know, with you know, developing love for other people and for people having love for us, getting educated in, in professional careers. It takes a lot of patience to, to climb the, the ladder, so to speak, to get to where we want to go. In athletics, when I was a competitive athlete, we had to train every day for such a long time to get it at the next level. And then we'd have to train again for such a long time to get at the next level. You know, you know a lot of hard work, but a lot of patience 
as well that goes into it. And I just think about so many of the things that require patience and time. And, you know, even like a garden, to do a garden and to make, create a garden and to plant seeds and to grow the, whatever you're trying to grow and to, to harvest it, it all requires us to have patience. And, you know, patience can come with ourselves and, and us growing mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You know, I find myself wanting to, to mature in these areas faster than what I'm developing in right now. And that can cause me a lot of non-peace. One of the things too that I want to make sure I call out here is that uh, patience isn't also complacence. So not being complacent either. So patience doesn't mean like, you know, I'm just going to not do anything and let, you know, father time just tick away and and things will come to me. Um, Not at all. You know, I think patience is doing the work, but also knowing that it does take time for most things that are worthwhile to come to us that we're working on. So that's patience. The next one that I'd like to talk about is forgiveness. And I've mentioned this on other episodes and won't terribly belabor the point, but I can tell you when I have to forgive myself or I'm looking to figure of other people for the wrongs that have been done to me by them or needing to go earn forgiveness for the things that I've done out of other people, I'm not in a place of peace. Until the things that need to get done to forgive, it happens. There's not a lot of peace. So forgiveness is very powerful. And forgiveness is, is more about us than anything else. And, and it's allowing us the space and opportunity to let go of some of the things that we're holding on to, which ultimately can become resentments. Resentments are poison. And I really believe that there is no place and no justified resentments. That comes to us from Wayne Dyer. He went to an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting one time, and he said that was on the, a wall. It said there are no justified resentments. And resentments is a poison that we keep feeding to ourselves. And resentments over time can really become grievances. And that's just a really solidified resentment that people can hold on to for their entire lives. So it's been my mission to really be active in forgiving myself, forgiving others, and asking for forgiveness from others when, whenever I believe it's needed that I've done somebody wrong and, and really work into that and you know, usually gets to a place of peace and uh, leads me to the last one, and that's gratitude. I find that it's hard to be both grateful and to have anxiety or stress or reactivity or resistance at the same time. So I I find gratitude just to be a huge anecdote to a lot of the, the negative thoughts or feelings or anything else that I might be having and leads me to getting back to a place of inner peace more than anything. So inner peace, that was one piece of my mission statement. You know, again, I I break that inner peace down to these different components, awareness, clarity, non-reactivity, non-resistance, non-judgment, non-attachment, patience, forgiveness, and gratitude. That's my formula for achieving inner peace in my life. And, And I don't have this licked. I don't want to come across saying that I got it and I've cracked the code, got the formula. It's a constant work in progress, and it is all about the process for me. And the outcome intermittently get to places where I can say that I'm, I'm completely peaceful uh, among the chaos and velocity and, and, and stress that life can bring. But I'm not batting 100 by any means on this. If I had to give a score, probably wouldn't be terribly high. But it is my mission to work to a place of having inner peace because ultimately I wanna to get to higher levels 
of having unconditional love for all people and to be service to other people. That's one of the reasons why I work very hard to having this inner peace because I want to get to a place that is bigger than myself, having a purpose that is way, way more than who I am as an individual. And we'll be talking about those two on the next coming episodes. And I think this is really good for, for anyone, especially people with disabilities, you know, because it's not easy having a disability. It can be very hard. It can be very non-peaceful. There's so many challenges out there, so many things that are always being thrown in our direction. So I do find, you know, working towards peace is very important. But having a mission statement, whatever that is, can be completely different than mine. And I hope it is because there's so many different types of people out there and having a disability and having a mission statement, I think it's gonna take us further into achieving that independent life that we all deserve. So until the next time, explaining more about our mission statement, which will be the next time, onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.